What's up, everybody? This is Tanner from TamanBaseballFan.com. I was uh, scrolling through a particular auction house recently, and I want to tell you something, guys. Like, I love going to these auction house websites and just scrolling through all of the amazing cards and and uh, memorabilia that they have for sale. Um, doesn't cost anything. Um, that is, unless you're like me and you get sucked into certain things that you shouldn't be buying anyway. <laughs> but uh, there's some incredible things out there. Um, a lot of vintage, like I don't really look at them for the modern stuff, but I do look at them at these auction houses for vintage. So heritage auctions, for instance, Robert Edwards auctions. Uh, those are a couple of the big ones. Um, I've, uh, I've really uh, really enjoyed it. And it's been kind of a new phenomenon to me. Um, cause normally I would stick to like the Facebook groups, like social media, eBay, that sort of thing for, uh, you know, looking for cards that I was interested in. Um, these auction houses though, they're, they're something, um, it's just, it seems to me that they, uh, a lot of the, the vintage stuff gravitates towards these auction houses, uh, and understandably so. Um, but one thing that I noticed, and by the way, uh, I, <laughs> I get so many of these catalogs from these auction houses. Uh, it is shocking to me, y'all. Like they, they actually spend probably five to $10 at least, uh, just shipping these things to me. And, uh, it's fun. I always wonder if, if, uh, they're going to stop, but apparently they're not because, uh, you know, cause you always think, well, you don't have to do print stuff anymore because of, uh, the internet, but you know, they clearly all have robust websites and they work. Uh, but there's something to having a hard copy with pictures, uh, you know, in your hand. And so I think that's kind of why they do it, but I'm, I'm anticipating they probably spend 15 to $20 perhaps maybe less, maybe more, uh, to send each one of these out to everybody and, and to create these you know, magnificent catalogs or beautiful pictures and everything. So anyways, one thing that I noticed as I was scrolling through recently on one of them is, is I found a few pieces. I'm not going to say what they are just in case I have the ears of, uh, certain competitors listening here and I don't want to tip them off. <laughs> uh, so I will tell, you quite possibly more if I end up uh, winning them, which is going to be, you know, several days from now. Um, but uh, I noticed that as I was scrolling through, I found a few pieces that just, you know, knocked my socks off. And this happens to me every now and then. It's something that, that, you know, I might not necessarily be looking for, but something jumps out at me for a reason. And so as I was uh, picking up my son from you know party tonight, I was thinking about this. What is this? Why do these pieces that I didn't really even think about before jump out at me? And I think the answer really was that uh, for the main reason that, you know, for what I'm trying to do with my collection, I'm trying to create kind of like a mini museum. You know, I've, I've mentioned that kind of verbiage before, uh, but it's more than that. It's deeper than that. I think I want to be able to tell a story with my collection. Um, and I think it's possible that you do too. Um, we obviously, as an online community now, uh, we are connected uh, virtually in more ways and, and more closely, more tightly than we ever have been before. So it's undeniable uh, that... Uh, 
part of the hobby is the community. It's not just collecting cards anymore. And, uh, you know, so I find that very interesting because I know that, uh, I enjoy being able to, uh, educate others and entertain others with, uh, the stories I have or with the pieces in my collection I have. And I think there is enjoyment and I think there's fulfillment on both sides of the spectrum for that when, wherever that happens. Um, and so, uh, I think the, uh, the excitement of being able to not just tell others about what you have, but also to hear what's out there, um, can be equally as satisfying. And uh, I'm reminded of a time, and I actually just did a, a custom uh, card for, for somebody, uh, for their kid um, uh, recently, that they actually came over a couple years ago to, uh, to basically have like a baseball card history class here. Uh, they asked if, uh, if I would mind just kind of running through a few things. And um, I'll be honest with you, I was probably more excited teaching them than, than they were learning. But the, there, there are a few kids that came over and their dads that came over and we we're just in the living room and I was able to tell them about the history of baseball cards all the way from old judge and Alan Ginter and Goodwin all the way to nowadays. And, uh, you know, in doing so, I was able to use, uh, part of my collection as a, uh, as learning tools. And it was so cool. It was fun to be able to see the, the looks on the faces of these kids and their dads when they're able to actually hold an authentic Babe Ruth or Honest Wagner. And uh, it was so neat. It was such a fun, uh, such a fun experience. And it was able, it, I was able to tell kind of like a, a fairly rich story of the history using pieces in my collection. And not only that, but being able to tell, uh, like I actually brought this up in a podcast a while ago, a, a fellow Conseco uh, collector Mark Petrillo, you know, Mark Petrillo came over and he he loves Conseco cards. He is a fiend when it comes to the Conseco autographs, and he's got so many of them. He has picked up so many cards from me over the past couple of years, and uh, to be able to, he you know he loves the vintage stuff. He thinks it's cool, but he loves the Conseco cards. So he's like me. So. I'm able to bring him over to my Conseco stuff and tell him about the stories, the the fantastic stories behind each card. So it's a, it's a different way of storytelling. The my two distinct cardboard collections, my vintage tells a story maybe of the history of the game, um, and my Conseco collection tells kind of a different story of my own personal collecting experiences. And, uh, you know, both are really fun to, to reminisce about. And I'll give you kind of an example. So when I look at the Conseco cards um, that I have, I look at maybe, um, let's say this uh, 2000 Upper Deck game jersey patch I'm looking at right now. Um, I could talk about the story of how uh, I found out that one of my good friends who's a, a collecting buddy as well uh, had this for nearly a decade and how I was able to do a massive trade that took several, several months to get it. Um, or this barrel card that I saw uh, opened uh, directly on YouTube and um, ended up selling it, but it somehow made its way back to my collection. Um, another one, this uh, leaf patch, the one of one, it's one of my favorite patches, how uh, I was able to obtain it while I was at Legoland with my family. 
Um, you know, all of these have like so, so many fun, deep stories. Now that's my Conseco collection. Now let's look at the vintage collection. My vintage collection, it tells a different story where I can talk to people about how, you know, old judge, what they would do in the production of these old judge cards is that they would have these photographs and they would put them in a matrix of, you know, like six by four or whatever. And they would put a mat on top of it with writing and labels that say old judge and the names of the players uh, right on top of the photographs. And they would photograph these photographs. And from there, they would cut them up and, you know, send, you know, basically put them in, in packs of cigarettes that way. Um, and then I could talk about the Allen and Ginters, uh, that they were a completely different way is, is color lithography. So they weren't photographs. They were actually, and, and I could talk about how the, the lithographic process is, uh, and then moving forward, talking about, uh, you know, the T206, uh, tobacco cards and what happened in between, uh, those two time periods, there's nearly a quarter of a century that happened. So, so where did the baseball cards go? And, you know, we could talk about the, you know, American uh, Tobacco Company and, and the monopoly they held and the reason why baseball cards stopped being produced. And, you know, so it's fun to be able to uh, just kind of take these little examples and kind of go down the road and, you know, tell a story with this collection I have. Of course, my vintage collection stops at 1934 and <laughs> there's a whole lot more baseball and baseball card collecting that happens uh, from, you know, 1934 until right now, of course. Uh, but for me personally, um, I have the most fascination with this time period. And so that's kind of why I have these certain things. I think, uh, one thing that, and the whole reason I'm actually bringing this up in a, in a podcast is because I think it might be something interesting, a different perspective or a different way of looking at collecting for you. Um, you might look at this and say, Maybe I want to tell a certain story um, with my collection. Now, that could be one of, one of two things. Maybe one, you could have cards that only have meaningful stories, uh, backstories to you that, are, that you have personal attachments to. Um, or it means that it tells a story of uh, some sort of uh, historical significance um, that other people might be interested in. Um, in doing so, you might find yourself being able to much more easily get off the treadmill if you're trying to buy everything. Um, you know, we've talked about that at length many, many times in the past. Um, and that's why, for instance, uh, you know, I'm satisfied with having a single barrel, a single knob, a single button card, uh, you know, a single rolling tag, and so on and so forth, because, um, you know, I'm able to check those boxes off of a list they tell a story in and of themselves and they they do so in such a way that it doesn't necessarily enhance the story itself if you have if i have five six seven eight bat barrels um and that's not to say that's not awesome i mean it's an incredible uh, feat for sure I, know, I have some friends that have like multiple barrels and i am sure they are happy as a clam uh, having those but uh, for me personally, for what I'm trying to do, um, you know, one and maybe in some cases two, perhaps, uh, of each will be, you know, or more than enough. Um, so it's really kind of fun to think of it that way. So anyways, that's just kind of like one other way of looking at possibly, uh, collecting is, is looking at what you're trying to do and see if you may need to possibly change tracks if you'd like. Um, 
and uh, and maybe try to figure out what story is your collection telling? What story is your collection trying to tell? Um, and you might discover a few things along the way. So um, anyways, I know this is a short one, guys, but uh, thank you as always for uh, listening. I hope you all have a great day.